Hello, hello, lovely listeners. All of you ghouls and goblins. And everything in between. Welcome to Across the Veil with Zelda and Emma. Happy Halloween, everyone. Get spooky, bitches! October is over. Well, it's not over yet. It's almost over. Well, it's not in my heart. October's never over in your heart. No matter when you listen to this podcast. In my heart, it's still October and Halloween. Like Jack Skellington (laughs) the entire year. Best month of the year. Well, no, he wanted out of Halloween. I want in 24-7. He did after like years and years of Halloween. I would do amazing there. I would flourish. You know what? I think you would force them all to hold a democratic election and they would vote you mayor. I do think you'd do a better job. I would be voted goddess. Queen. Would you rather be mayor or would you rather hold like a Queen Elizabeth? And it's like, you're a monarch, but do you make any rules? No. I want to be the overlord. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. (laughs) My power reaches no boundaries. But because we love Halloween so much, and because I've clearly been ruled the overlord of all things Halloween... It has been decided, it has been decreed. We're going to give you guys everything Halloween in this episode. So it's going to be a little different from the way that we've done other episodes, because this is our Halloween spectacular. (sighs) We are the coolest Girl Scout troop leaders. Everyone's sitting around a campfire, and we're going to be giving you some history. We're going to be giving you some stories. Some spooks, some scares, some history, some interesting interesting things. Just telling you literally everything. Well, probably not everything. There's a lot of history to Halloween, but giving you about a half an hour's worth of Halloween. Are we ready to dive right in? Hell yes. So we're going to start off with the history of Halloween, aren't we? Yes, we are. So you might see this word around. The word is spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. And you would think that it's pronounced Samhain. It is not. It's pronounced Sawin because Celtic is a language that says fuck you to consonants. I will have none of you here. None of you here. And we love her for that. We do. So Sawin is a pagan religious festival that has its roots in ancient Celtic spiritualism. It is celebrated on October 31st and was meant to usher in the harvest and mark the dark half of the year. It was believed that on this day the veil between our world and the world of the dead was weak, meaning humans and citizens of the underworld had a higher chance of interacting going across the veil. This is because they marked November 1st as the start of a new year for that calendar, and many people tended to die in the winter and early spring because things were cold and we didn't have things like centralized heating and people got sick a lot. It do be like that. It do. So Samhain was the most important of the fire festivals, which are a bunch of festivals that took place between the autumnal equinox and the winter solstice. Townspeople would leave the fires in their hearths to burn through completely, and then when night hit, they would go to a clearing and watch much larger fires lit by druidic priests. So fire is a big part of the holiday as it represents the sun and it was kind of like a final hurrah before the sun went away and the nights became very long. But because people would dance around bonfires and have a great time, it's why we have jack-o'-lanterns today because it's a harvest festival and there was a bunch of gourds all over the ground and the festival celebrated fire. But there's also another reason as to why we make jack-o'-lanterns. Ooh. The legend of Stingy Jack. I'm Stingy Jack whenever I go to Walmart. (laughs) And Target. (laughs) If I was going to be born a boy, my name would have been Jack. So it literally would have been Stingy Jack. (laughs) We would have called you Stingy Jack in front of your face and behind your back. Totally fair. So the legend of Stingy Jack. There once was an Irishman named Jack, a drunkard with a silver tongue. He was famous throughout his town for his manipulative ways, earning him the nickname Stingy Jack. Eventually, even the devil himself heard of Stingy Jack's evil deeds. 
Curious as to whether or not the tales were true, the devil decided to seek the man out. One night, Stingy Jack was having a drink at the pub when he found the devil sitting next to him. Realizing that this may be his demise, Jack invited the devil to have a few drinks with him, and the devil did so. When the bill came, Jack, being stingy, did not want to pay, and asked the devil to transform himself into a silver coin so he could pay for their drinks, as a man should. So the devil was amused by this, probably a little tipsy, and maybe a little impressed by the request, because that takes balls. So the devil agreed to turn himself into a coin. Once the devil did so, Jack decided to keep the money and put it into his pocket next to a silver crucifix, trapping the devil in coin form, preventing him from transforming back into his true demonic self. Jack! I know. But after some time, Jack freed the devil under the promise that he would leave Jack's soul alone for a decade. 10 years passed and the devil came again to collect Stingy Jack's soul. Jack bowed his head and told the devil he would go with him. But first, could he have an apple to feed his starving belly? The devil agreed and climbed up a nearby tree to fetch one. Quickly, Jack carved a cross into the tree's bark, trapping the devil again. The devil demanded to be let down from the tree, but Jack said he'd give his freedom under one condition, that should Jack die, the devil could never claim his soul. Though furious that he had been tricked by Jack again, the devil had no choice but to agree to the bargain. Some time later, Stingy Jack died, probably from alcoholism, and ascended to the gates of St. Peter. But God wouldn't allow such an unsavory soul into heaven. Jack was then sent down to hell, where he begged the devil to let him in. But the devil, still pissed off by Jack's tricks, stayed true to his word and would not claim his soul. He sent Jack off into the darkness with only an ember to illuminate his path, which Jack placed into a hollowed out turnip. From then on, and for all of eternity, Stingy Jack is doomed to roam the earth with only his lantern to light his way. To keep Stingy Jack and other evil spirits away on Samhain, carve a scary face into a turnip, or potato, or pumpkin, and place it near your door to frighten them off. Honestly, like this whole thing is like, I might die soon, because the devil's here. Do you want to, like, get some drinks? Do you want to just chat? Wouldn't it be, like, cute if we, like... <laughs> fell in love? Bought me a drink. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, just drink. See, I'm Stingy Jack. I know, I know, but I just... I love that. That's balls. That's serious balls. Stingy Jack could also be called Ballsy Jack. I, I would call him Ballsy Jack, honestly. Because also he's like, could I have an apple? And then he makes the devil climb a tree to get his apple. First he's like, I'm thirsty. Then he's like, I'm hungry. Will you get it for me, please? I'm just a little baby. Babies don't have any money. Jack must have been so hot in order for this shit to work on the literal devil. I feel like he was hot in that way where it's like you look at him and you're like, eh. And then you talk to him and you're like, ooh. Great story, Emma. Thank you so much. I loved hearing about Mr. Jack. Jack-o'-lanterns actually used to be made out of turnips until Irish immigrants moved to the United States of America and they figured pumpkins were actually much stronger and held aflame much better. So that's why we have pumpkins. But it used to just be any gourd. Any gourd you could stick a light into. And potatoes. I literally read potatoes. They would just carve like scary faces into potatoes and just like set them up. Which is... Which is lovely, because grocery stores have a racket these days on pumpkins over Halloween. Mm -hmm. Don't subscribe to capitalism. Carve a gourd. Carve a gourd. Carve any gourd. Carve some potatoes. Do it. And then 
make dinner out of them. Mm -hmm. Stingy Jack would do the same. Stingy Jack would love you for it. So at Samhain festivals, people would wear costumes. And they didn't do this because they were crazy. They did it to ward off ghosts because that veil was so thin. Damn, that veil so thin. Damn, that veil. She's so skinty. Legend. <laughs> Kinty veil. The tradition of dressing up began with the Celts dressing up as animals or monster. Again, they were not insane. They did this to keep other monsters from kidnapping them. So some of these monsters were headless men riding horses, the group called the fairy host that would kidnap people, and Lady Gwyn, who dressed in white and chased individuals through a dark night. For some reason, a black pig was supposed to follow her around, which... I like pigs. Iconic behavior. But all of this just kind of makes me think of... I, just, like, wearing a costume to fit in with the other monsters. Like, I feel like that's how I went through most of my middle school years. Like, I wore, like, a human girl costume to pretend to fit in with my peers. That's what I should have done if I wanted to have more friends. <laughs> Oh no, I still was lonely. <laughs> I just had pink lip gloss. So speaking of these monsters, let's talk about the fairy host, which are also called the Sluot. Yes, I love fairies. Oh, I'm so excited. Halloween has the tendency to remind us of what we fear the most. Death and shadows take form into creatures. And there is no creature as feared as the dreaded Sluog, a horde of spirits so foul and twisted that even death feared them. The Sluag, or in English, host, also known as the Wild Hunt or the Underfolk, were once believed to be an evil type of fae that acted without reason, logic, or mercy. But when Christianity was introduced, they became known as the restless spirits of the darkest, most vile people that ever roamed the earth, so evil that their souls were rejected by hell. They fly from the west at night in the form of a terrible flock of ravens twined together with undulating shadows seeking souls of the dying. When they sensed a person with near death, they would hide in the shadows near the house of the dying, waiting till nightfall to enter the home through a cracked window or door. Hideous shadows and clawed, mangled birds with gnarled talons would fill the room as the sluag would suck the soul out of the dying body, dooming them to a tortured afterlife. The Sluag are also said to be attracted to lonely souls, or even summoned by the utterance of the word Sluag. So if I'm pronouncing it correctly, I'm fucked. And if she's pronouncing it incorrectly, we apologize, but we're also trying to be safe. Nah, I'm still fucked. I'm lonely. <laughs> Anyways, to protect their dying loved ones and themselves, families would close all west-facing doors and windows after sundown. And this was never more important than on Halloween. During Halloween, not even the living were safe. Any soul, be it living, dying, evil, or innocent, was fair game. The Sluag would hunt the skies in their vast flock of ominous shadows, in search of a lone wanderer. Upon finding their prey, they would descend, engulfing their prey in a flurry of flapping wings, shrieking, and the stench of rotting meat. Because the living souls were stronger and faster, sometimes they would manage to escape by running behind a closed door, locking the unforgiven dead out or they could set the sluag on another person. Those who were out at night without any shelter or people nearby were sure to die, and their terrified screams would echo out as the sluag snatched them from the earth. There have been stories of the sluag as recently as the 20th century. Scholar W.Y. Evan Wentz heard many in his search for reports of fairies. One story spoke of a little boy who was taken by the sluag. The child was snatched from the ground and into the air by the horrible flock where they sucked out his soul and dropped his body from the sky. 
The corpse was found the next morning, lying crushed and broken in the family's garden. To this very day, folk in the countryside will keep their windows and doors on the west side of the house fastened at night to keep the sluag from paying a visit to their home, especially during times of death or Halloween. Very cool. That shit fucked up, right? It's a little The Birds, a la Alfred Hitchcock. Um, I'm sorry. I think The Birds are a little sluag-esque. My mom always used to tell me she would work in Australia sometimes, and swooping is a thing that happens there. And I don't think it's during the same time, but I don't know about birds' swooping patterns, but people would be late or unable to come to work some days because bir- the birds would be going crazy during some time. I, we're real cryptozoologists and fake zoologists, <laughs> but like they dive bomb people. Like, there's, like, a week or so every year where the birds would just dive bomb people. No. No. (laughs) So, as Emma said before, we can blame Christianity for the change from Samhain to what we today call Halloween. So, to make a long story short, some popes from the 5th and 9th centuries changed up the calendar and holidays, so Samhain turned into All Hallows' Eve, which then became Halloween. They tried shifting things around and it never quite worked, but that's where we are today. However, roots from the original festival still leave marks on modern traditions. This is mostly from Irish immigrants moving to America in the 19th century. So in America in the late 1800s, Halloween shifted from a holiday focused on religious practices to one more about community building because people were relatively new, the war had been won a few years back, and community was really important in the minds of local leaders. So Halloween seemed like the perfect holiday to get people together to celebrate death, which everyone goes through. So parties would be held for adults and children, and everyone was encouraged to dress up in costumes because that's something that they pulled from the original traditions. Halloween lost much of its traditional superstitious and religious tone during this time, and it became a lot more family-oriented and community-friendly. But in the 1900s in America, especially during the 20s and 40s, Halloween became actually kind of dangerous because it's a night when adults would be celebrating and children, especially teenagers or young adults, would go out and vandalize things. So, in order to stop them doing this, there was a huge public movement between the 20s and the 50s for this little thing called trick-or-treating, which I'm sure we all have done, but it really wasn't a thing until the 20s and 50s because trick-or-treating was revived as a way to keep children and young adults occupied on Halloween so that they wouldn't cause too much mischief while the adults celebrated. The adults are like, we gotta go drink, so eat your fucking candy. We're gonna bribe you with candy. Yeah, it's literally classic bribing with candy but an entire community mad respect to the adults who wanted to party multiple countries who all celebrated this tradition were like oh what if what if we had a great excuse to get rid of our children for the night what if we made them go to all of our neighbors houses they had their oldest child hand out candy so a the teens wouldn't vandalize shit and b the children would be looked after because it's a group mentality thing it's perfect That's the smartest thing anyone possibly could have done for this holiday, honestly. The greatest plot twist of all time. Yeah, no, it's great. It's very intelligent. But trick-or-treating actually does have a historical basis. In Ireland and Scotland, this practice is called mumming. And there's a much bigger history behind that. But what people used to do, especially on Samhain or Halloween, was that people would dress up and go door to door singing songs to dead people, which is like the most goth Christmas carols you could possibly think. I love it. Right? Like it's like a group of Christmas carolers, except it's Samhain carolers, and they would sing to the dead. Incredible. And people would give them little cakes as payment. 
<laughs> oh my god, yes. So you'd get a little treat for showing up at somebody's door, and that molded in America in the 1940s and 50s to, yeah, let's give children candy so we can drink. And, but I feel like that's in line with tradition. So yeah, that's why we have trick-or-treating. I fucking love that. Sucks that there was a guy who almost ruined Halloween for everyone, though. Aw, come on. So we all have heard rumors about kids finding, like, razors in their apples or people trying to poison kids with candy. Mm -hmm. And you may have heard of someone called the Candyman. I heard of the Candyman before, but I thought it was a sort of boogeyman or something. Mm -hmm. I thought the movie was based on the Candyman. Oh, and it's but not. It's... They okay. literally have nothing to do with each other. But there is a real Candyman. So this is the true story of the Candyman, also known as the man who almost killed Halloween. And it's a really sad story. Aww. So here I go. Another true crime for you guys. On a rainy Halloween night in 1974, Ronald Clark O'Brien took his eight-year-old son, Timothy, trick-or-treating in Pasadena, Texas. During the festive rounds, O'Brien gave his son and his son's four friends pixie sticks. While none of the other children ate the pixie sticks, O'Brien pressured his son to eat it. When Timothy tasted the candy, he complained that it tasted bitter. Less than an hour after consuming the candy, Timothy died en route to the hospital. It was later revealed that O'Brien had laced the pixie stick with cyanide in an attempt to collect a $20,000 life insurance policy he had placed on Timothy's life 30 days before Halloween, and he'd given the poison to the other children in an attempt to cover up his crime. O'Brien was convicted and dubbed the Candyman by his fellow inmates and he died by lethal injection 10 years later. But news of poisoned Halloween candy and the horrific crime struck fear into the hearts of parents everywhere. And it's what led to the urban legends of randomly distributed poison candy or apples with razor blades, which it's not true, that's never happened. But it turned trick-or-treating, which was supposed to be a fun, let's get rid of the kids thing into a seemingly dangerous activity. He may not have killed Halloween, but he certainly poisoned it. And it's also fucked up. It's that's super fucked up. And it's also super dumb. Every year you like see it on Facebook or on Twitter or whatever. And it's mothers who are like, make sure you check your children's candy. And it's like, people are going to give your children edibles. They're going to put MDMA in your children's Smarties. And it's like, that's expensive. Like it's expensive. People don't want to give your kids drugs. People want to do their own drugs. It's also literally like never happened. It's only happened from what I read once before where mm -hmm. an old woman in I think the 1960s, <laughs> she handed out ant poison and dog treats, neither of which are really poisonous to trick-or-treaters. And when they caught her and they arrested her and they asked her why she was doing this. She was like, they're too old to be trick-or-treating. Grinch, that's the Halloween Grinch. <laughs> she was, she was the Halloween Grinch. I'm just surprised none of the other kids had the pixie sticks. Like they just kind of like put it in their bags and forgot about it. Maybe he, they, they were like, he's kind of creepy and he's like peer pressuring us to eat sugar. So maybe we don't. Smart kids, very smart kids. Very smart kids. Very smart. So we've celebrated Halloween in America for a few generations or so. Your grandparents probably celebrate it, but it's not a new holiday by any meaning. But in the 1980s, Wiccans actually revived certain practices of Samhain because of its pagan roots. We're going back to Samhain. Ooh. We're going back to Samhain full circle time. So Wiccans celebrate modern aspects of Halloween, like trick-or-treating and pumpkin carving. But they also bring back certain traditions from centuries past, including honoring their ancestors and having a little bit of pyromaniac fun. Oh, the best. 
So if you're celebrating Halloween this year, or if you want to celebrate Samhain this year, a fun little tradition you could bring back is the Dumb Supper. So Zelda, why do you call it the Dumb Supper? You may be asking. This is what I am asking, yes. <laughs> well, I did Google it for you. I was ready for this question. <laughs> we are a research podcast first and foremost, but we're also theatrical ass bitches. So I needed to like vamp a little. <laughs> so it's a pretty old tradition. And back in those days, dumb was actually a synonym for mute or quiet. So it's not actually a dumb the way modern people use dumb. It had different connotations back then. But traditionally, the entire meal would be held in silence. So the tradition has its roots in early English love divination, but it was also a custom in rural America as recently as the 20th century. Other aspects of a dumb supper include a table being set as incorrectly as possible, (laughs) the chairs turned backwards, and the meal would be served in reverse. So dessert was first. So it was mostly big groups of young women who would hold dumb suppers, and it was a total break from tradition. So they would sit backwards on chairs, all of their like school teaching of how to properly lay a table goes out the window, like your fork is in your wine glass, you're doing crazy things. Yes! And you'd eat dessert first, and if anyone talked or made a sound during the meal, then the spell would be broken. So you're just supposed to have this entire lovely dinner with all of your friends that's crazy and in complete silence. I love that. And tradition said that at the end of the meal, if the clock struck midnight, then you'd see an apparition of your soulmate walk in, blah, blah, blah. Or people did it for like a chance to honor the dead where because they thought everything was backwards in the underworld. So another dumb supper staple would be setting a place at the table and having an empty chair meant to be for loved ones who have passed. It's your way of honoring what they thought were ghostly traditions. So like a moved on loved one would have this crazy dinner with you and you'd all just be silent the entire time enjoying each other's company. That's beautiful. It's a good one. So at the end of the dump supper meal, if you had an extra place laid out, you were supposed to serve them all their portions and then you would mix it all together and bury it into the ground for your loved one and they were done which I found kind of fascinating. It's kind of like a Dia de los Muertos thing where people would like leave offerings by gravesides for people. It, it, it's a, it's very cool how it's multicultural. Like people do yeah. similar things of- Respecting and honoring the dead. Exactly. In like a gift giving way. Mm-hmm. But Emma, I have a very fun story of what happened at one of these dumb suppers for you to read because I've been doing some history and you've been doing some legends, but I think I have a story for you to read so we can kind of hear how you get surprised by the story. I think that'll just be a little bit of fun. I'm excited to hear me read it. (laughs) Gotta turn on my storytelling voice. Storytelling voice. According to one account from Missouri, two young women set their table in a deserted house. At the stroke of midnight, one saw a coffin, which horrifyingly moved of its own volition to rest beside her. The other woman was probably happy to see, instead, a young man walk through the door at midnight, his apparition summoned by the ritual. The young man arrived holding a knife, which he dropped the moment he sat beside his future bride. She picked up the knife and put it in her pocket, and after the silent meal was over, the young man stood and left the room as the coffin slid beside him and followed him out the door. Soon, the young woman met the man and married him. One day, she showed him the knife. On seeing it, he flew into a rage and stabbed her in the throat and chest until she died. What? Womp womp. (laughs) 
so people would hold these rituals kind of year round, but especially on Halloween when the veil was the most thin. So people believe they would see visions of the future or visions of future soulmates come in. So this was definitely a story that like people said because people would hold these <laughs> dumb suppers in abandoned houses <laughs> for the spooky factor. They, they were mostly done as like supernatural party tricks. So they were kind of like Ouija boards. Like people would be like, let's hold a dumb supper the way that teens now are like, let's like fuck with a Ouija board. Then they get stabbed and die. Well, no, it's probably an old wives' tale so that mothers are like, ugh, they're doing the stupid love spell bullshit. Like, oh, you know, a girl got stabbed. You gotta be careful. Like, there's always, like, something to ruin the fun, you know? Mm -hmm. But if celebrating an entire meal of silence isn't quite your speed, but it would be very fun to try, let us know if you try it. We're definitely gonna do it the next time we see each other. I will stare at we you have in complete to. silence. And you will love it. Oh, horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Another way to honor Samhain traditions would be to make a meal that was passed on to you by a relative or a very close loved one, because this whole holiday is kind of celebrating the years that were before you and getting ready for what's about to come next. So the celebration comes from taking what relatives or people other than you know and making a food out of it, which is a ritual in and of itself. And I will be posting a very nice cookie recipe from the 1920s that my grandmother has given to me for this holiday. So you can make that if you want to be part of my family. But yeah, so I really hope you learned a little something about Samhain and the history of Halloween this time. Yeah. Personally, I'm a big fan of uh, old Jack. Oh, Jack was definitely the coolest dude in this spooktacular. <laughs> I hope he visits my home. He's an evil I, yeah, he's a bad boy of the spirit realm. So we hope that we've filled you in a bit, a little bit about uh, all of Halloween. I hope we've given you hundreds of years of uh, tradition and lore and you enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for listening and supporting us. We really love all of you. Uh, we're going to take a week-long break, so there won't be an episode in the first week of November, but we will be using that week to do a lot of very cool research and figure out new topics for you. If there's any suggestions that you guys have for us, we would love to hear them. Like any topics you want us to cover, any places that you want us to find monsters in, mm -hmm. just DM us on Instagram, comment on our Instagram posts. Tweet us. Tweet us. Leave a review on uh, Apple Podcasts saying, hey, y'all are at least okay. Could you do this? And you can even email us at crossintothemail at gmail.com. And we really would love all of the support. Like every, every little bit of your interactions with us helps. And I really hope you guys know that. And the more you support us and the more you continue to interact with us, it really haunts our hearts and spooks our souls. We thrive off of it. Literally, it means the world to us to have other spooky folks saying, hey, we like your spook. Yes, and if you like our spook, please, please let us know. We actually have a fun little contest coming up. If you give us an idea and you hashtag across the veil in whatever message you send us, we will send you a free sticker, an Across the Veil sticker. We have stickers. We do have stickers now. So you get a free sticker and a free letter signed by both Emma and I. So make sure if you send something in, hashtag Across the Veil, you could be in the running to win a free sticker. That's right. A free sticker with our shapes on it. 
Yes, it's the cover art for this, but we're also going to write you a little letter because Mm -hmm. we love all of you and support you. Yes, we do. But so that's all we have for this week. For now, we're done. But we'll see you next time. Across Across the the veil.